Welcome to the Conditional Release Program, a podcast that delves into the netherworld of cults, crims, and con artists. We don't like these people and it shows. We believe the best way to expose them is to hold them up to a harsh light, point our index fingers in their general direction, and mock them mercilessly, take them down a peg or two until they cease to exist in any other form than the shit on our shoes. I'm Jack the Insider, otherwise known as Peter Hoisted for tax purposes. And I'm Joel Hill, and today we're going to take you to the extremes of ideology. Turn at the centre, take a hard, hard right, and keep driving until you see a bunch of potato-headed jackboot thugs staring you right in the eye. They don't look good in their uniforms. In fact, they don't wear them anymore. Too obvious. The days of the the Australian Nazi Party walking around the streets in their brown shirts and swastikas are over. Nah, there's not a Reich Saddler or a Toten Cop, I think I said that right, to be seen either. They don't even rock the red suspenders anymore, and they really fucked up the rude boy thing for the Scar Kids on that one. Doc Martin sales figures have plummeted since the golden days of 80s Nazis. But your latter-day Nazi or neo-Nazi keeps a paraphernalia locked up in the shed, and probably wisely too, because the Nazis have had a bit of a PR problem over the past 70-odd years. Well, that's why they prefer to call themselves patriots or nationalists, the two being mutually exclusive, by the way. They recruit their members by appealing to the scourge of all argument, patriotism. You'd think after World War II, where, you know, 80 million people died, including an industrial-scale genocide that saw 6 million Jews killed, would have been the end of Nazism as we know it. But here we are, 75 years later, dealing with this bullshit again. It's hard to crack gags about Nazis. They are not fun people, but there are a lot of myths perpetuated about them, and we're going to debunk them. Uh, We're also going to set our sights on the rise of Nazism in Australia, who they are, where they are now, and what threat they pose. See, we've ignored them for a while in the hope they would just simply fuck off into obscurity, but they just keep popping up. And now that Pete's got his army of cupelled wellness acolytes looking into the real history of Germany, I reckon it's only going to get worse. The time for complacency is over, and we'll cover this in our deeper dive. Uh, But now it's time to look at the unfolding incomprehensible madness around the world in our weekly news. Speaking of Nazis, Joe, one of their ilk, Philip Galea, was hurled into a slammer with the door firmly shut behind him for at least nine years and hopefully the full 12 for planning terrorist attacks in Melbourne. Yeah, our mate Galea had been associated with the lovely right-wing dickhead groups such as the True Blue Crew and Reclaim Australia, which is a fringe political party full of utter bastards, which pointlessly ran candidates in parts of Australia in the 2016 federal election and got about as many votes as they deserved. Now, this grossly obese hirsute scumbag had been on police radar for some time, having been previously arrested for possessing bomb-making equipment. equipment. He's been all over far-right groups, all of whom quickly discarded him, but only after he was charged with terrorist offences. He'd planned attacks on the Trades Hall Council and the Socialist Alliance HQ, the Resistance Centre, which is in inner-city Melbourne. But what was interesting and deeply ironic is that he learned bomb-making from one of the groups he despised so much, the Anarchists, which means, to be honest, he was probably not very good at it. He plagiarised large chunks of the Anarchist cookbook and cobbled it together, came up with the Patriots cookbook in a bid to get other Australian Nazis to launch further attacks. Because there's nothing like a good rebrand, Jack. Nah, indeed. It's probably only his brutish stupidity that prevented further targets from being identified and more attacks planned. And this is what we'll be talking about in a deeper dive, Joel. The threat these people pose is enormous. 
here and around the world. Until then, it's bye-bye, Philip Galita. See you later, you Nazi cunt. Enjoy your holiday. It's going to be a long one. And to keep the Nazi theme rolling along, the man behind the Conditioner Release Program's most popular segment, The Week in Pete Evans, was shown mm. the door by almost all of his commercial partners after posting a cartoon which showed a neo-Nazi symbol, the Black Sun or the Sonorad, which had been sported on the backpack of mass murderer and giant fuckwit Brenton Tarrant. And before you knew it, the sponsors dropped Pete Evans like a hot Indeed, they did. Uh, we had been set to watch Pete's dial back on television and on the appalling I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. But Network 10 swiftly gave him the arse, even while Pete was in quarantine for the show. Pam McMillan, Woolies, Carls all gave him the flick, even his pet food, Bob, that I didn't even know was a thing. Pete Evans' paleo pal or something. They sent him packing. Yeah, the final indignity was actually doTERRA, the MLM company knocking out Pete's essential oils, flicking Pete's lovely gear from the catalogue of their fine overpriced products. Although it looks like they might have backtracked recently after underestimating how many Nazis seem to like essential oils. It does beg the question, Joel. After a huge week, possibly Paleo Pete's biggest week ever, will there ever be another week in Pete Evans? segment for our devoted listeners to snigger at. Has the great man been silenced? Not a chance, Jack. Uh, we've had uh, commercially bound Pete, and while that is still a wild ride, don't get me wrong, it is a Disney film compared to what Nothing to Lose Pete's going to offer because he's been holding back, he has been held back, and now, bless him, he can tell us what he really thinks. He's been unchained. Saints be praised, Joel. But look, all this talk about Nazis is thirsty work. So what's the go with the whole great reset from last week? Yeah, bloody Pauline's nonsense. So I've been getting very deep into the great reset this week, and I'm really trying to nut it out. As a political economy guy, I find this shit very interesting. But you guys, maybe not so much. Mm, definitely the next hot topic when it comes to these usual fuckwits who have let's face it already been posting about it on their telegram because you can guess who i'm alluding to here Mm. so the great reset is basic it's not a new concept but it is one whose time has come in the post-covid era well covid era and in summary a bunch of economists think that capitalism is basically ready to shit the bed at any time due to shocks like covid and needs a bit of an overhaul now i could spend an hour on this and i probably will in a video later we have a youtube channel here's the funny bit see the world economic forum has been circulating a document which is either one of the worst pieces of political communication i've ever seen or it's intentionally trying to bait right-wing groups into having a genuine meltdown. Now, the World Economic Forum, Joel. I remember, Davos, some of the wealthiest hand-ringers in the world got about and bounced a few ideas around, which virtually meant uh, them holding onto all their money uh, while distributing someone else's. Yeah, not much has changed, Jack. Uh, the title of the article, which uh, they're placing in publications as a sponsored piece, just so you know, is called Welcome to 2030. I owe nothing, have no privacy, and life has never been better. I mean, that's the actual fucking title of the actual article. So the usual suspects like Rowan Dean and the Sky News After Dark vampire types have been frothing at the mouth over this. And Pauline, not known for doing her own research or any research whatsoever, has 
bought the dumb fuck angle, hook, line, and sinker, and probably a little bit of YouTube and bit shoot on the side. Oh, I feel now, she's on the the art- yeah, she's on the vids for sure, Joel. Yes. Oh, of course she is, mate. She's OG. You know, she does her own research according to <laughs> internet dumbassery. So the article says in itself that the future, we won't own things as much as share them. Utilities that we currently have as a market-driven commodity will be treated more like essentials. Housing, things like this, more free of charge. And there's a lot to be said there. But as a millennial that owns fuck all besides a computer and a car, this kind of appeals to me. I mean, boomers, however, are shitting themselves. They think that the WEF are coming for all their investment properties and everything's going to become some sort of state-owned property. They're not, though, so calm down. The thing that really underpins this, though, is the so-called giant hoax that is climate change. Now, climate change is, in reality, set to decimate the world as we know it. But, as usual, the right are intellectual nobodies and emotional cowards who choose to pretend that it's not happening. Like a child putting their fingers in their ears and going, la, 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 la. So, naturally, anything that seeks to stop us from turning into a plague-ridden tinderbox really pisses them off. Wait a minute. Uh, hold up there just a minute. Uh, the, the, the tagline for this is, we'll all own nothing and we'll all be happy. And this sounds like a WEF special, another fucking motherhood statement that will not happen, cannot happen, and won't even be contemplated for a more than a millisecond by anyone who isn't an ageing singer in a rock band. Did they seriously think that was a good line? I mean, what the fuck? Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's almost like bait. And it doesn't actually make any sense, but if you look into it further, it makes more sense on a very meta, stupid level. But we've got more. This is another direct quote from this article, this gold mine of bad communication. Give it to me, Joe. My biggest, my biggest concern is all the people who do not live in our city, those we lost along the way, those who decided that it became too much, all this technology, those who felt obsolete and useless when robots and AI took over parts of our jobs, those who got upset with the political system and turned against it. They live different kinds of lives now. Outside of the city, some have formed little self-supplying communities. Others just stayed in the empty and abandoned houses in small 19th century villages. So basically what they just did is they enabled all the paranoia from Pete Evans types and put it in a narrative that sounds like Dennis Leary's character from Demolition Man. I remember it. I do remember it. Yeah, sliced alone. And uh, who's the other lad in it? Ah, Wesley Snipes. Ah, Wesley Snipes doing his own stunts until someone else had to come in and do them. Yeah, go on. I love that story. So basically what has happened here is they are genuinely pissing on people who don't go along with the New World Order, which is absolute like fire starters to right-wing people. Now, not only that, but there is another cherry on this bizarrely dystopian piece of newspeak. And here is another direct quote from the article, which is, Once in a while, I get annoyed about the fact that I have no real privacy. Nowhere I can go and not be registered. I know that somewhere everything I do think and dream of is recorded. (laughs) I just hope that nobody will use it against me. Like, you will fucking hope no one uses it against you? Are you serious? What the fuck? Like, I mean, seriously, I am all about a Marxist utopia that stops us from melting the ice caps and eating each other in some sort of fucked ultra-capitalist Mad Max fucking scenario. But you're not selling this well. And while you can do your own research or you can wait for my video to find out what they actually said behind these things and all the really, like, substantive stuff, just for now, just feel like someone out there, probably getting paid a lot more than you are, wrote this and thought to themselves... 
Good job. And they did, Joel. Well, they think they did, which is exactly the same thing as far as they're concerned. Or maybe it wasn't. But we can't ponder that deep philosophical question right now because it is time to delve, fossick and shovel, knock on Rio Tinto's door and ask for some explosives and a great big bulldozer so we dig deep, deep and find some ugly truths in our deeper dive. Narcissism, Jack. Where the hell do we start with that? Well, let's start with one of the great myths that pervades discussion in recent times, that Nazism is from the extreme left. I see many on the right can't accept that Nazism sits somewhere in their own backyard, albeit right down the back near the fence, yes. uh, and uh, have decided that uh, the left should be taking responsibility for it. Of course, the left is uh, a long way from pure. I mean, we only uh, have to look... Uh, China and the Soviet Union, Stalin, Mao. I mean, history's greatest monsters. You throw them all in your pole pot, and uh, yeah. and you really got you really got something there. So we're not perfect. You've got it. You've got yourself a stew going on. <laughs> and, uh, but 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 basically, uh, the right has come to uh, to this view based on. <laughs> I've had these discussions with numerous people, so I really want to put this one to bed. The argument goes the Nazi Party or the NSDAP, the National Socialist German Workers' Party, has to be from the left because the word socialist sits in the party's nomenclature. So that's the way they think of it. So do we can we consider that Nazism is a leftist or socialist uh, ideology or has its roots there? The first thing is, the first test of this is in electoral terms. And we can see over a period of time in Weimar Germany, we see uh, election results that show us essentially and, and actually quite clearly under the way the Weimar Republic was collapsing, we can see it quite clearly that there's a vote shifting to the Nazi party. In, 19, in 1927 German elections, the Nazis polled less than 1%. So that was really their first run. and That's low. Oh, well, it's, it, it's, it's, it's Fraser Anning type stuff, right? I mean, yeah, uh, it is. But by 1930, the Nazis had pulled 18% of the vote. That's, that's a strong. That's a strong jump. It's a, well, yes, they. You know, Hitler was running around making speeches in beer halls. They were. Um, uh, these were times of great calamity too in in Germany. Um, the power of a good candidate too. I mean, let's face it. We just well, no, 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 basically, you are looking at some some fairly uh, well it, it, catastrophic economic times. Uh, yeah. By 1930, uh, the Germans are going through hyperinflation. Uh, and this is all, um, you know, before the Great Depression really hits Europe. Um, yeah. And so they got double whammied and, and largely because of the, the conditions of, of the Treaty of Versailles that had basically taken a large chunk of their industrial power away yeah. uh, and, and uh, required them uh, to, uh, to compensate uh, uh, their former enemies in, in World War I uh, yeah. with uh, staggering amounts of money. And so it, 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 the way they dealt with that was just by printing new money. Um, oh, yeah. And that caused the hyperinflation. I've seen uh, that before. Yes, a lot of, a lot of, 
the preconditions for World War II were established uh, at the signing of the Treaty of Versailles. Yeah. In, in any event, uh, by 1930, the Nazis had 18% of the vote. And so we can actually see where that vote came from. And that because it almost exclusively came from a number of centre-right parties. So mm-hmm. people who normally voted for centre-right parties, and we're talking about the German People's Party, the NVP, and the DVNP, which is the German yep. National Party, uh, German National People's Party, um, they lost the equivalent amount of votes that the, that the Nazis gained. So, like the Queensland election. Yeah, well, yeah, there are probably some similarities with, with some Queensland <laughs> elections over the journey. But but what we see is that percentage of vote shift from the centre-right to the extreme-right. As I say, very tough economic and social conditions in Germany at that time. So we are seeing the legitimisation of, of the extreme-right and we're seeing yeah. the, the centre-right collapse. Now, yeah. didn't all collapse? You know, the Catholic Party, the German Catholic Party, remained largely intact, and that was a sort of centre-right party. Okay. Uh, and uh, and they continued to sort of horse trade with Hitler as, as Hitler's rise came about. must be yep. said uh, that, that by the 1932, the July 1932 election, uh, the Nazis hit their high watermark of 37% of the vote. And in the runoff uh, in November that year, it was down to 33%. So that's basically the highest percentage of vote that they ever obtained. In it's a surprising very disparate, to me. I would have thought it would be higher. Uh, in, no, it's in a very disparate sort of political environment with just literally, um, you know, uh, uh, mountains of party small, mainly yeah. small. And, and you're seeing things like the NVP and DVMP collapse under the weight of Nazism, that basically by the time we get to 32 and the runoff that later that year, we're seeing the German People's Party splinter and fragment and the DVMP essentially disappear, Yeah, okay. taken over by the Nazis. At the same yeah. time, what we have going on is there's a German Communist Party. It's got its numbers too, uh, and they're fighting on the streets with the brown shirts, particularly in Bavaria. Uh, <clears throat> and along comes Stalin and, and through through the common term, which he, which he uh, controlled, tells the German Communist Party, those people you're fighting on the street in these pitch bloody battles, they're not your enemies. The real yeah. enemies are the centre-left parties in the German political environment. So, and, and your mission is to destroy them. Now, the German Communist Party didn't int- take that entirely on board, but when the Nazis were, were taking the centre-right vote essentially away, what was happening was the, the centre-left vote was also disappearing and going towards the German Communist Party. So we see this collapse in the centre. Yeah, well, I mean, this is leftist infighting. This feels like the kind of thing that's happening, uh, you know, from well, now until Stalin, whatever. It was a Stalin dictate, you know. The, 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 yeah. The, the German Communist Party uh, were excluded, of course, from uh, from the Reichstag, and that's essentially how Hitler clambered to power. Um, <clears throat> but um, there is nothing really in the centre. There's, there's, you know, what's left in the centre where five years before it was the bulk of 
of had the bulk of, of German electoral support. They're reliable moderates. The, it, it had essentially gone or was just left with a skeleton. And, and, a vacuum. And so, yes, this created a vacuum where the extremes on the left and the right become legitimised. And yeah. uh, with with Hitler's call for nationalism, this is a this is a, and, and, and the virulent anti-Semitism was tolerated and, and you know, basically um, accepted by a great many Germans who were looking for people to blame for the yeah. woes they found themselves in. Uh, you know, this is, this is the sort of language that we start seeing much later on, cabals of Jewish bankers. Yeah, that's of stuff the one. We hear discussed now, cabals of Jewish bankers. That built up. The anti-Semitism, of course, but uh, this was a this was a nationalist party designed to uh, return some patriotism to Germans who'd been. Well, I mean, at that point they had this crisis they want to blame on the Jews because that was a convenient patsy. Right now we've got a crisis of a whole bunch of people really bored because they have to stay at home and eat their microwave meals without going to the pub and pestering girls at the bar, and that's when they start getting these anti-Semitic tropes into their uh, into their circulation. They're Whereas never very before, far, they're, they're never very far away. I mean, they really aren't. I feel bloody sorry for them because they just keep coming back. Just to finish this, and so I just want people, anyone who's anyone who's listening to this, to ever encounter this argument that Nazism is from the left, to be able to sit that down. You, know, you can. You, these are matters of historical record. These are election yeah. results. You can actually see the centre right. Centre-right German supporters shifting to the Nazi Party, but yeah. the other thing, and I've presented that argument to people, they'll turn around and say, "Oh, well, this was a socialist means of production, whatever that means." It's one of those sort of grab <coughs> grab tags of uh, of, art, of 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 uh, terminology that they've picked up along the way. When we think about Nazi uh, a Nazi economy, there, there's really no philosophy there. There's nothing substantial behind it other than yep. a virulent anti-communist streak. So they would yep. never allow the state to control the means of production. Yep. Rather, they would place the orders and the big corporations and the corporations that weren't all that big in the 1920s started becoming very, very big indeed. Um, the first one is Siemens. Well, I'll yep. name a few. So most of them are around to this day. Siemens, Bavarian Motor Works, Volkswagen, Mercedes-Benz, Cruff Engineering, they're not around anymore and I'll explain why in a minute. But this was, the, the rise of Nazism also gave rise to, uh, I guess, a sort of extreme form of capitalism where... But also Bavarian Motor Works, just for the record, is BMW. Well, that's, yeah, for, the, for the record, and, and for the record, BMW is a company that's never actually apologised, as the Ooh. others have, uh, for using Ooh. slave labour. Uh, for using Jewish slave labour and others that have been uh, hurled into concentration camps. Just make a Facebook post, guys. Just say sorry. Just, well, just chuck it on Facebook. Really, Pete Evans I mean, did it. It, it. it requires a little bit more than that, but they've never done it. And uh, and and people can make their own assessments about what sort of cars they want to drive, but, but this is yeah. a company that's been presented with a stark view of their past and, and have chosen to ignore their responsibilities. How fitting that the cops had, drive them these days. I mentioned Cruft before. Cruft were, were basically an engineering company, and that they were the only ones dissolved post-war in a sort of Nuremberg trial phase. Um, mm. Cruft were the designers and manufacturers of the um, 
incinerators and gas chambers at concentration camps in concentration camps. And they were the only ones who, who were dissolved. There was a great push from the Americans to keep corporate Germany intact. And it goes a long way to explaining uh, why Albert Speer was treated with kid gloves at Nuremberg. He was given 20 years when really he should have hanged. He knew more about uh, the concentration camps than really anyone besides uh, his sidekick at the time, uh, Heydrich. And... Um, uh, and uh, and he should have he should have hanged without doubt, um, but he was given twenty years, and this was really driven by pressure from the big corporations in Germany. So this go. idea of Nazism being a kind of version of socialism really doesn't stand up. You really have yeah. big corporations who are getting bigger and bigger and bigger, all on the all on the basis of the Nazi's order, and the, and the and, and the orders are to build up the military build up the infrastructure as quickly as we can because the only thing that defines Nazism in any sort of economic way is that it was a system based on, well, a, a, a form of kleptocracy, you know. Yeah, uh, okay. a, a regime based on conquest, you know, eternal conquest and fair. Yeah, once you got stealing there, Europe, I suppose. Yeah, once you, once, once, I mean, it happened... It happened in Ansklus with Austria. It happened in the Sudetenland. It happened in Czechoslovakia. It happened everywhere they went. In order to yeah. keep that big wheel turning, they had to continue conquests. They yeah. had to. So the victor goes the spoils, I suppose. So it was essentially once they once they either negotiated their way uh, into new lands like the Ansklus or. Uh, whether it was by a conquest in in France or or in uh, in Poland, <clears throat> uh, what they did when they got there, the first thing they do was pull up outside the reserve, uh, outside the central banks, and just load up the trucks with gold. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, we we know all about the, the theft of artworks and all that sort of stuff. Those sort of you know Goering type affectations, but yeah. this was just theft on you know, on human growth hormone. You know, this was basically yeah. once they got there, they would steal that nation's wealth. Yeah. And that's how they kept that machine rolling. So from the left, I'm afraid not. It yeah. was a kleptocracy run by a bunch of criminal thugs uh, who sprang up from the right under some bizarre historical circumstances and then was followed by the right. Yeah. I mean, let's face it. Your average Nazi is not going to vote for Greens. They're going to go more for one nation. Uh, yes, they are indeed. And there's some similarities there. We couldn't actually call one nation a Nazi party. But it God does no. make some of the sort of noises that uh, that Nazis make, you know, that sort of ultra-nationalism. Dog whistles. Oh, well, yeah. They wouldn't be the only party who... Who whistles uh, whistles <laughs> whistles up a bit of racism, um, but they are particularly good at it. I mean, look, we it's had often a good strategy, really. Uh, well, it's not really. It's not in any. <laughs> it's not long term sustainable. I mean, you know, you can no. talk about real politics and all that sort of stuff, but but it, 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 it's not in a good way. It's no. It's no good for national unity if you're promoting nationalism. You can't turn around and and create an environment where. Uh, national identity becomes splintered, and usually it becomes splintered on 
immigration. Well, so there's the real history of Germany. And uh, there's a lot of electoral movements there I had absolutely no idea about. Honestly, I thought Hitler just showed up, Germany dropped their pants, and it was done. But let's face it, they haven't gone away, not yet at least. And despite that, nobody really likes them. I mean, how have these guys kept going? I mean, come on. The swastika is poison. Nobody likes a Nazi. They just want to punch them. But, like... They still keep on kind of being Nazis. What the fuck? Well, they take another form. They don't get around just like uh, Jim Saloom and the old Australian Nazi party. You know, they used to get around in brown shirts with swastikas on their arms and and they were seen as a sort of oddity, you know. It was a different time too. It was a time when a lot of Australians had lived through World War II. They were seen as this very strange thing and not tolerated so much but... Uh, despised, but uh, allowed to sort of do their own thing. They yeah. looked to be in very small numbers, and Salim and his mob uh, would get out and sort of outrage people. But people, you know, just sort of punt, average punter walking down the street would sort of glare at them and walk out of the way. Doterra would allow them to sell for them. <laughs> well, there is like, there is a, there is a huge market. In Nazi memorabilia, <laughs> by the way, and that, yeah, there is yeah that, the, the genuine stuff. Most of it was torched, you know, and that, so so mm. it becomes collectible. I mean, the, the Soviets yeah. spent a lot of time uh, destroying uh, the symbols of uh, of Nazi Germany and all power to them. No, uh, indeed, uh, yeah, they uh, they took uh, they had a they had a real flea in their ear about it, <laughs> um, but. But today's Nazis, to the neo Nazis of uh, of the twenty of first century, they don't they don't wear you know the uniform. They don't they don't self identify. I mean, you you'll see some of them. So, so when we look at someone like Blair Cottrell, who did identify as a Nazi and said that you know basically um, yeah. uh, every every classroom in the country should have a copy of Mein Kampf in it for some yeah. god-awful reason, that rambling, uh, that rambling disgusting book. And and, <laughs> and, and, and and so he almost sort of nailed himself there and then. And ever since then, he's been walking all this stuff back. Now he's yeah. a nationalist. Now he's a patriot. Now, oh, yeah. he's, now he's everything but a Nazi. But, of course, he's still a Nazi because he was photographed with a, and he and his group of, group of thugs were, were photographed uh, having a knees up on uh, on Hitler's birthday last year. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> so, you know, it's it, it, it's it's kept a secret. It's it's yeah. it, 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 you 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 don't want to identify as a Nazi. You just want to make the same noises, the same nationalist noises. Ah, we're losing. Our Australian identity, whatever that was, yeah. Uh, yeah. and you know we are losing our racial identity. You know, so they yeah. will speak in that sort of Nazi code. They also use a lot of symbols that aren't necessarily immediately identifiable to people. So they use codes and dates, etc. So eighty-eight is a, is a key number for for your average Nazi. That eight being the eighth, uh, eighth letter of the alphabet, alphabet yeah. is an H, Heil Hitler, 88. Yeah. And indeed, yeah. there's a French group of Nazis called the 88 Squadron in Sydney. Charming. Uh, yeah. Oh, they are lovely. They are lovely. But here's <laughs> the thing about them. You know, they, yeah. they, will, they will form briefly, and we've seen this in this country. We've seen, you know, the Australian Nazi Party sort of eventually died, but th- th- this new group that really has its roots 
in the Australian League of Rights, going back to the immediate post-war and sort of a vicious anti-Semitic pro-nationalist group, mm. they, 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 they devolve. They, they'll, yeah. they'll, they'll ratchet up a, a new name for a political party. So we have the United Patriots Front which Cottrell was involved in and then yes, walked away from. Yes, of course. This is the other yep. thing about them. So, so you know, there's Reclaim Australia. There's, yep. there's, and as soon as they're established, they start splintering. This is yeah. the other thing about, about the hard right in this country and probably keeps the risk of them down fairly low or, or, or minimises it to, a least, to, to some extent is that they're, Seemingly incapable of political organisation. Is this but, a pissing contest for power? Like, you know, yeah. everyone wants to be at the top, well, then but they, they keep on... They're too stupid. Yeah. They're, they're often too stupid <laughs> to politically organise properly. What, racist? Stupid? And, ah, and, mate. And, 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 and as soon as they see, you know, Cottrell probably perceives himself as this sort of charismatic figure, and then yeah. he looks at someone like Ericsson and goes, oh, he's trying to be a... Charismatic figure like me, I'm going to. Yeah, I'm going to. We're going to splinter the party. I'm going to walk away. I'm going to start a new one. But and his fucking toll sweatshirts, Jesus. But Christ. yeah, and, and and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, Ericsson, Ericsson, I would not consider to be a uh, charismatic figure. He's a complete, no complete not a mug. Um, but <laughs> but um, they do a, a assemble, you know, collectively, uh, and yeah. we've seen that in recent times. There was a uh, a. Uh, an assembly, in fact, that uh, was attended by Senator Fraser Anning, uh, who, who spoke briefly and got the old Heil Hitler salutes for his trouble, uh, denied surprising. being a Nazi, but uh, uh, <laughs> there was yeah. he certainly had a lot of Nazis around him, put it that you way. You can dance as much as you like, but if fuckwits like you, you're probably a fuckwit. Yeah, exactly right. So, yeah, the company you keep is a mm-hmm. very good answer to all of this mm-hmm. because they don't self-identify anymore. They don't, you know, they keep they keep the swastikas in the shed. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, we saw we saw that Milo Yiannopoulos, who probably doesn't believe in Nazism, but this sort wow. of weird guy who... They would have had him up against the wall, let's face it. Well, yeah, indeed, you know, given his sexuality. But, 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 mm-hmm. but yeah, he was happy enough to cling on to it and befriend yeah. a lot of people from the... From the from the various Nazi organisations in the United States and some in Europe too, he pals around Nazis. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's right. There's this footage of him singing "God Bless America" to, in a in a Texas bar to to a bunch of uh, clowns who are giving him the, the whole Hitler stuff. Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, you know he that's that's not good. Well, his explanation or excuse for this was saying he wasn't wearing his glasses, so <laughs> he couldn't. They were literally three men. Three meters away, and there were at least a cricket team of guys giving him the the Nazi uh, salute. So, so like he, he wasn't wearing his glasses. So you know he's terribly, terribly myopic without them. And what a mea culpa that is! Fuck yeah, me. I know. Pete Evans needs to get him on board right now and say, "Mate, you need to dig me out of this hole I've fucking dug myself into." Did I forget my glasses? <laughs> yeah, indeed. You know, but at the same time, Yanopoulos has got all his form. Right, he's 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 actually run out of audience in the United States. This is well, a few yeah, years they ago. thought he was a pedo. So, well, that's right, because he had uh, said some rather odd things about uh, a, a Catholic priest that uh, was a friend of his when he was a young man, very young man, in fact, a teenager, 
and uh, and and uh, it was. Shall it was we on say, the nose. Yeah, it was, and it was you know it was basically saying that lost your book deal. Basically, got it cancelled. Yeah, book deal cancelled. Everyone walked yeah. away except for Australia, where he decided he was going to do a national tour. Mm-hmm. And came over here and was photographed with, you know, the usual suspects on the right, claiming some sort of nonsense about free speech and, you know, he's you know, he sort of does all this sort of performative uh, condemnation yeah. of the left and all this sort of yeah. stuff. And that was enough for them. So they would enhance or they would embrace, I should say, they would embrace someone who had at least himself embraced Nazi tropes and, uh, and that was okay for them. The really bizarre thing about this, of course, and this, you know, we don't have to think too much about how ridiculous Nazism is in Australia because when we, when we think about what happened in World War II, the second AIF battled the Nazis, yeah. the Desert Corps, Rommel's Desert yeah. Corps in North Africa. You know, Australian yeah. lives were lost to, to, to Nazi soldiers. Absolutely. You know? And and that should never ever be forgotten. Forgotten. And of course, no. Australian airmen uh, working for the RAF uh, over Europe were also killed in significant number. So totally. So these guys were our enemies, but absolutely, this sort of nonsense is still, you know, it's just like, and it's, it's not almost Germany, a line gets it's Nazis. It, it, that's that's right. It's almost the line gets moved a little bit every year to to yeah. what can be tolerate what can be tolerated. You know, basically the one thing that the last week has taught us with the downfall of Pete Evans, the spectacular downfall of Pete Evans, mm. is you can be as racist, anti-Semitic, and generally as awful as you like, but once you're actually a Nazi, once you've got that branding of a Nazi, that PR problem of being a Nazi. All bets are off. You basically, you know, you get excommunicated from the community, you're out, you're done. Same well, shit, but you're official. No, I, I, you, well, there are certain, <laughs> certain, uh, certain exceptions to the rule. There are a number of exceptions to that rule. I mean, yeah, okay. Claire Cottrell, yeah, who, who yeah. is just for just for people who don't know who, who Blair Cottrell is, he's uh, he's a convicted criminal. He's been convicted of arson. He's been convicted of stalking. He's been convicted of supply uh, anabolic steroids um, and, <laughs> and, and using. I'm sure. Uh, and I think uses uh, may have used them on occasions. Yes, he's, he's a big boy. He's a large human being. But yeah. uh, now he was interviewed uh, by uh, former NT Chief Minister Adam Giles on Sky News. And, yeah, okay. look, I'm not saying uh, Blair Cottrell shouldn't be interviewed. He should be interviewed, mm. but he should be raked over the coals because the, yeah. the, further you, if the further you dive into him, the more he's going to cough up. But instead, yeah. Adam Giles referred to Blair Cottrell as mate. His mate. Yeah, as, a, as a chum. As, as a buddy, yeah. So, so that was pretty awful. And, of course, we had, uh, we had a senator, you know, a, a, a senator, Fraser Annie, a one yeah. nation nominee yeah. who fell ass backwards into the Senate. Yeah, uh, who um, who uh, dropped the fun tag? Uh, oh God! With about the moment he walked into the door, and yes. and, uh, and and just went on to become, you know, uh, well, certainly he attended a rally uh, at St Kilda Beach in Melbourne. And, he blamed uh, the Christchurch shooting on the Muslims. Was yes, he did indeed. He did. He that was makes, fucking disgusting. Makes all the sense. I believe he's the. Uh, Hold up somewhere in the United States, um, 
Um, is he really? I think his creditors are still sniffing around, shall we say? Uh, some of the problems that thought it might exclude him from the Senate, but was sort of only delayed. Uh, well, but there yeah, he was and secured a week, copying the old Zikile stuff from from Cottrell and his mates. Yeah, um, and of course uh, Cottrell was interviewed on that day by a Channel Seven reporter, who uh, you know the, the the super underneath Blair Cottrell's large noggin was vigilante. You know, yeah. he wasn't described as a Nazi. He wasn't described yeah. as a man who'd suggested that mine camp should be in every classroom. Yeah. Uh, and, and, a, and a guy who's been sniffing around the, the extreme right of Australian politics for a very long time. And a, a network that should know better than to not know him on the radar, realistically. I mean, come on, guys. Well, I, I, it, it would be... I, I cannot imagine how it was not known who he was. Yeah, and, and even I, the intern would And know. I think they tried to legitimise who he was by describing him as a, as a vigilante. This is what I'm talking yeah. about, where the, where the line shifts. And, yeah, we yeah. saw... We saw Pete Evans, who may not be anti-Semitic, but certainly has has made some pretty awful sounds on anti-vaccinations and 5G technologies yeah. and the pandemic. Yeah. You know, once he posted... Uh, uh, the Sonorad. Yeah, the, the Sonorad in a car, in cartoon form. He, you know, basically he was cut off, you know. He, and, and there's other things that back that up, but it was the Sonorad that sunk him, you know. There's the, the, the Holocaust denial hints that have come up in a few of those posts oh, that have well, been screenshotted and circulated around, but they're hints. Well, they're I not guess, definitive. I guess, I guess Blair Cottrell, you know, doesn't doesn't sell cookbooks, but... but yeah, uh, and and that's why sort of Pete had sort of what what we might call traditional commercial partners who were prepared yes. to tolerate him to a point because they're still point. making some coin out of it. Now, I mean, Cottrell doesn't do cooking shows. Uh, no. It'd be <laughs> it'd be, <laughs> be very but, funny. Look, I mean, you know, when we think about it, you know, um, Evans was was due to be on. I'm a celebrity. Uh, get me out of here yeah. until that that's, Nazi yeah. business, the Son and Red. Our cartoon was published, and, and and you know before that, um, uh, Chappelle Corby, you know, convicted drug smuggler. She she turned up yeah. on Channel 7's uh, SAS Australia. But let's face it, the so maybe Blair why... Cottrell, maybe someone sniffing around Blair Cottrell, thinking you know we might pick up a bit of negative PR, get a nice old uh, negative PR hit from from putting Blair Cottrell on. Uh, I don't know what's that. Uh, what's that? What's that? SAS, What's buddy, that? whatever. Ninja show, maybe. Oh, yeah, Ninja something, Ninja Warrior. Yeah, yeah maybe you could do that. Saying, yeah. You know, I mean, but... but He'd be good at it, let's face it. The, I mean, the idea that once you self-identify as a Nazi or once you are seen to be so in the thick of things that you can't be perceived any other way, yeah, a lot of society is going to turn off you, but a lot of media is going to turn on you. You know, well, it, you're a hot topic at that point. That's right. It's, it's, it's a small man making a big noise. Yeah, and it's tricky. That's that's often what happens. And because they don't, you know, have little mustaches and, yeah. and weird little glasses and have German shepherds on leashes. No they, obvious tidges, yeah. And they make all the sort of normal or the, 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 the sort of tropes that will that will get them some – get them some – 
get them some traction with, with people just listening on. Oh, there are far too many Asians here. Oh, look at all these Muslims causing problems around the world. Wouldn't it just be Which better? is commercially bloody acceptable as long as there's no swastika involved. That's, yeah, that's right. So, so, Which is so insane. That's why, that's why people like Cottrell take, have taken the swastikas away because they they're able to enlarge their audience uh, by making those sort of calls for nationalism, anti-immigration stances. That's it. And this is the reason why, you know, if you, you can do all you like, but I tell you what, once you slap that sonorain on there, you are fucked. Well, yeah, but, you know. You, you, can, you can come back you, from you, it. You can still turn up on Channel 7 News. Well, I tell you what, you can turn up on Parler. That's a that's a conversation we'll have in uh, the week in Pete Evans. Yes, but, uh, yes, indeed. That's uh, that's making making plenty of noise at, at the moment. So, as far as like actual Nazi parties in Australia, Jim Salim, That's all I really know. There's you know there's your, your fringe nutcase like your Blair Cottrells and your your, your Neil Ericsons, but Jim Salim's apparently the the Nazi party guy. Well, he's been their ideologue for a long time, and look, Salim. Uh, there's no Australian Nazi Party per se okay. at, at, at now, um, and there was, yeah. but there isn't now, and that's okay. because it was deregistered long ago. Yeah, um, makes sense. <clears throat> um, uh, yeah, look, Salim uh, ran as an independent in uh, a Queensland by-election, a federal by-election in Queensland uh, two okay. years ago, and uh, seemed to slip under the radar a fair bit. Only polled oh, gee, less than a thousand votes. Uh, well under a thousand votes, um, but Salim is kind of he's uh, he's part of the the history of um, uh, of extreme right wing politics in Australia that really had its roots in uh, the, the Australian League of Rights, a group essentially from Queensland based on anti semitism, based on yeah. uh, anti immigration. When was this right around? Just uh, circa? This is almost almost immediate post war. So that wow. The, the 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 immediate post-war years for the next five to ten, it was it, it was it must be said a terrible time to be a Nazi, um, yes. um, but uh, really by uh, the the late fifties, those sort of Nazi ideals had started to rear their head um, around the world, of course, uh, and 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 in Australia too, th- through the Australian League of Rights, which was an anti-Semitic, anti-immigration group. Uh, as with all right-wing, extreme right-wing political parties, they tend to splinter. And the Australian League of Rights really wasn't a political organisation. It was more, well, it was a political organisation, but it wasn't, it didn't run uh, candidates under under that name in elections. So what we have then is groups like Salim's establishing shocking people um, and shocking people for good reason. I mean, you know, we were fighting, we were fighting against the Nazis in North Africa. You know, we, yeah. our, our, our airmen were fighting against the Nazis uh, over Europe uh, yeah. with the RAF. <clears throat> and now they're coming back and showing their pants in public, and you're thinking, mate, just fuck yeah. off. Yeah, and that, look, that's the Salim age, and yeah. um, and Salim had uh, a black uh, hang around him. He was always in the always in the brown shirt and and, and swastika. I can't think of his name, but he did have the uh, did have the uh, the nickname Skull, and and it was because he suffered <laughs> yeah. this terrible, you know, genetic um, uh, uh, genetic disorder, which gave him a sort of 
almost like a pinhead type quality. Oh, really? And, uh, you know, it was just the oddest thing to hear him talking about, to hear Salim talking about, you know, the chosen race and all this sort yeah. of stuff. Well, Eugenics in action. Well, he's got a bit of a throwback standing alongside him. Anyway, uh, we won't dwell on uh, his particular disability, but nah. that, that was the nature of things. And since then, we've had this: we're Nazis, but we're not Nazis. We're not outwardly Nazis. Yeah, and, and we will, and we will create, um, and we cre- we will create sort of fringe political parties, and some that loom reasonably large. But this is the problem they have: they continue to splinter, dissent fight squabble and then start and then and then start um uh, start all over again with a new party it's a wonder they haven't lost it's a wonder they hadn't run out of political party names that featured the words patriot or reclaim or alliance Um, there's a lot of mixes you can make mate there's a lot of wordplay in those uh those uh circles look i don't know that they're fooling too many people because every time there's a rally you know whether it's the true blue crew who aren't politically represented but they're just nuisances who get along and you know uh effective nuisances though they they turn up they They turn up i mean the cameras the, the problem with them is the cameras, <laughs> the cameras hit on them. These are heavily tattooed gentlemen uh, who don't look very nice company to be with. You know, they're not the sort of yeah. blokes you'd like to stand in a bar with and have a beer. So, yeah. so when, when they do sort of turn up, driven by their miserable ideologies uh, and their ill-considered ideologies, they you know they tend to be considered as sort of fringe groups. But taken. Taken once you take these little fringe groups there, fringe group there, fringe group there, fringe group there, and given this great anomaly of why on earth would you have a Nazi party in Australia after we fought against them in World yes. War II? Why do we have them at all? I mean, yeah. w- what is going on there? And and what is going on there is this sort of tap uh, tap on the shoulder of of xenophobic Australia. Yeah, and look, it still exists. It's absolutely wild, and let's face it, it's it doesn't feel like it's going anywhere. But I think we're at this point with the Pete Evans, the cancellation, the whole thing. To we're on the brink of something. Yeah, look, all I know is if if you're a Blair Cottrell or a Jim Saloom or or a Neil Erickson, you'd have a pretty big ASIO file. I mean, ASIO certainly regard, and our security uh, agencies generally regard. Uh, Extreme right wing ultra nationalist groups. They might not call them Nazis, but they but they are. They regard them as a serious threat, and we saw that threat. Those threats, uh, well, at least planned and targets identified um, by uh, by the uh, extreme right terrorist uh, Philip Gallia. You know, he, yeah. his intention was to uh, blow up buildings, cause mayhem. Yep. And, yeah, and that's you know he's just been put away for it. Don't tell me. But his mates stopped him. In. Don't tell me these threats don't don't exist. Don't tell me they're just. Yeah, yes, they're fringe dwellers, but yeah, the the threats they pose are significant. Well, yeah, some of these guys have nothing to lose. Let's face it. Indeed, yeah, that's that's right. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think, or or, or they want to make a name for themselves. That's the other thing. Yeah, hundred percent. And look, let's face it. It's a, it's the first and last thing they'll do in the history of themselves. Like they're they're nobody outside of the fact that maybe they did something horrifically damaging. They'll get a Wikipedia article they would never have had before. Yes, indeed. you know, and and it leads us on to our, our next segment, uh, Joel. Uh, very, very, 
very, very comfortable little segue there because we're going to have yeah. to take another look at Eric Trump uh, in our segment, Like a Bastard on Father's Day. Eric, um, <laughs> Eric is... <laughs> You know, he's a he's a bit of a fringe dweller himself, you know. And I think he it's gets been a that. big week in Eric Trump. Oh well, look, every week's a big week for Eric. I mean, you know, <laughs> his his endless problems just continue to roll along. Uh, they're only going to get worse. Oh, bless him. Oh God, I'm ho- I'm glad I'm not paying his therapy bills. The poor bastard. They're going to get bigger, Joel. They're going to oh, get a lot bigger. Exponential. While the while the Donald is basically just sitting in the Oval Office, shitting his pants and yelling at people, including Eric. Yes. Yes. So basically, you know, it's been left to the media to wonder who will be the next Donald Trump. Yeah. Now, it may well be that the next Donald Trump is, in fact, Donald Trump <laughs> Sr. And that he and he has a lash uh, in 2024 and announces Jeez. his candidacy fairly early. But Can let's we say, not? Let's say he's not. Let's say Donnie says, well, uh, you know, he reaches for the putter and says, look, I've had enough. I'm going to go and play a lot of golf. At Mar-a-Lago, yeah. and um, and uh, and off he wanders. So and and so the media's been sort of wondering about these things, and they get to Donald Trump Jr. and they get to Ivanka, yeah, and then they get to Eric and go, oh, not Eric. Ooh. So they've oh. actually suggested his wife might be a presidential oh. candidate, but not Eric, not Eric. No, <laughs> not our just Eric. Complete, <laughs> completely overlooked. Which love is, you, Dad. <laughs> I love your dad. But dad, dad's playing golf and and and, and forgot your name, and so the, you could just fuck off. The the, the, the Trump organisation has just filed for bankruptcy, and and Eric, your wife, your wife looks like a better presidential candidate than you do. I and mean, if anything, we... Eric looks like a good scapegoat for a series of charges that could ambiguously <laughs> paste upon him. Look, Eric, you've got to do 25 years for Dad, but he loves you. Or oh, what? He loves me. Dad, Dad oh. does love you. But you, I'll, I'll, well, you do I'll the, go down. Well, you do the money laundering time. <laughs> Who's me. my lawyer? Oh, Rudy Giuliani. I trust him implicitly. <laughs> Tell Didn't me more he... about where it's happening. Look, yes, look, it's it, look, it's just a wonderful thing, you know, that that of the entire Trump family. And, and and it's only a matter of time before the media start looking at Barron and go, you know, he could be a candidate too. <laughs> and, but not but not Eric. His wife Lara, sure. Uh Donnie Jr., oh, could be. Ivanka, yeah, certainly. She's got uh, she's got some some Republican Party kudos going on there. Eric no. But he's Not a good-looking so boy, much. though. He's a good-looking boy. He's a good-looking boy. I tell you what, if I was the Trump administration, I'll be making sure that Baron Trump's laptop is being kept under very close guard because you never know what's going on these days. These fucking kids are TikTok and whatnot. Yeah. I tell you what. You Baron, know, just- yeah, Baron could be the... 53rd president of the United States. Um, or he could be the Hunter Biden of the administration. Let's find out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, let's get a look at his laptop and get is- maybe Rudy Giuliani just to sweat on him. Um, yes. Just to sweat and just release. He looked like, he looked like, you know, someone had, someone had stuffed up Hercule Poirot's makeup. Um, didn't didn't Rudy it's just unbelievable stuff this guy's on $20,000 a day and he belongs in an asylum 
There's no justice in the world because I would do a lot of very fucked up things for $20,000 a day and yet this asshole, all he has to do is reel out some basic Q-tropes, sweat out some fucking hair dye and he just gets to hang out in his bloody spa bath wherever the fuck it is. America's favourite mayor, I'm just going to say on record, can go fuck himself. Yeah, look, I mean, and look, perhaps there's there's a segment there but uh, we can't ignore... uh... We can't ignore Eric uh, because his segment's named after him, but we can't ignore Eric, who is the one person in the family not considered presidential candidate material. No. And that is, let's face it, that is the role of a bastard on Father's Day. <laughs> he's a good-looking boy, though. He's a good-looking boy. He's, he's got that going for him, if you're into that kind of thing. It's, it's, it's a, he's, he's a good-looking boy. This looked like he walked off the, walked off the set of a scotch egg. Yeah, just right off a yacht. Oh, good Lord. I love him. And now it's time for this. And I know a lot of people have been waiting just for this particular segment. It's the week in Pete Evans. And hasn't it been a huge week? I mean, normally, normally any week is a huge week for Pete, but this one. This is off the charts. This is gone bananas. I mean, this is. I mean, the the man can't be sleeping. He must have sleep deprivation, psychosis. He's got invisible spiders crawling over his face. (laughs) It's been so busy for him this week. And just as we went to air, we just checked and look, Pete's popped up and said he's he's walking. He's walking out. He's walking out of Facebook. He's He's leaving Facebook. And he's jumping before he's pushed, I suppose. And in traditional yeah. Pete Evans style, his departure notice is uh, full of shameless self-promotion. He's off to Parlour. Tell me what Parlour is, Joel. It's uh, affectionately known as Fashbook because it's a free speech platform, which is ironically uh, a place of misinformation that a lot of misinformation peddlers have freaked out about the fact that misinformation is peddled about them. I love Parlour. It fucking sucks. It's a cesspool. Watch it implode. But Pete's put his money behind it, and so? that's where he's do you, at. Do you think that Pete'll? Do you think that Pete'll be able to bounce back on Parlour and and tell us what he really thinks about German history? Mate, he's uncensored. He's uncensored. He's off the chain he's now. Off the chain. He's, he's off the leash. He's off the leash. There's no more backer out to hold him back. There's no more Solomon Lou's house. And let's face it, he's <laughs> absolutely unchained now. He doesn't have to worry about the fact that he is in the sphere. He's out now. And he, we he are. He can't upset anybody anymore. He can't upset anybody who owes him a quid anymore. It's all done there. So he is basically unrestrained, unfettered, unhindered. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is not the last we're going to see of Pete because, like, this sort of thing, you know, this happening as we spoke, as we were going through it. But the thing is great. It's a major shift. It's a major shift from from Pete. He's going to go full fash. He's going to go Uh, hardcore. I feel it too. I feel that this is not the end of the Week in Pete Evans segment. This is the start. This is the start of something really big with the Week in Pete Evans. He's going to have a huge, huge week pretty much every week. And yeah. every time he bans me, I'm going to make another alt account. So don't <laughs> you worry, Petey. I've got you covered, yeah, baby you got cakes. You covered. So the thing like, that I find terrifying in all of this is how many supporters have come to, come to his side, Joe? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, obviously his Instagram and his Facebook are highly curated. I mean, like, I got muted by Pete because I actually... I'm 
probably drinking at the time. I accidentally replied on his wall when I thought it was another page on oh. the, you know, the uh, bitch about Pete Evans pages that I'm like all subscribed to. But seriously, it, it's, it seems like the wellness community might be full of Nazis. And I, well, I Nazi sympathisers, at least. I think we can say least. that some people who might who might be turned to Nazism at a pinch. Well, potentially, because they're very vague. But mm. the thing is, is they say things like he's speaking his truth and freedom of speech is important. And that shit to me, you you leave that shit at the door. And as we spoke before, Nazis have a PR problem. Look, you can do all the anti-Semitic cute tropes that you want in the world. But when it comes to Nazis, if you're really going to tacitly approve that stuff, that's crazy. The wellness community, they are lining up to back him. Yeah, I can, see, I can see how that happens. And, <clears throat> and uh Look, uh, he might be uh, sort of a little bit short of uh, a little bit short of ability to write, but he just gets that message out there. Uh, <clears throat> he can't really he can't really elucidate what what freedom of speech means. I mean, basically, no, he's what not. he's saying is, I'm Pete Evans, and I like to say whatever I want to say. That's right, with no consequences whatsoever because that's how freedom of speech works. I mean, like, philosophy mm. 101, mate, come on, please, do a correspondence course. Yeah, because it doesn't really work that way at all, does it? We have defamation laws. We have all sorts of restraints on free speech that uh, Pete Evans should know everything about. Um, As I've said before, I mean, let's face it, when it comes to anti-vax community, the kind of people who generally pal around with Pete Evans – there's an arts degree between a lot of them. I mean, it's not an educated group of people. And realistically, it's looking like these people are either walking examples of cognitive dissonance, which are unable to reconcile the fact that Pete Evans might be a piece of shit. And therefore, they're happy to say that neo-Nazis are okay before mm -hmm. saying that Pete Evans is a bad person. Or they're all just complete morons and the entire thing is just a stew of stupidity. But my bet, my bet is on the cognitive dissonance. Where do you think it's going to go? Where do you think it's going to go? I reckon what's going to happen here is that Pete Evans is going to rise like one of those fruity Nazi bats they had on those bloody giant flags and he's going to become a sketchy... Eagles. They're eagles. <laughs> They're eagles. I reckon he's going full fast. The bat was a joke. And uh, and he's going, to have, <laughs> he's going to have a cult that's just going to hang off every word. And let's face it, the guy's mate to David Icke, uh, who is a well-known uh, Holocaust denier. Oh, yeah. Max Egan, yeah. all these fascist fucks. And this time, he has no backer holding him back, no house holding him back, no coals holding him back. He has a cult of people that hang off his every word, and he no longer has to hide the fact that he may very well think the Jewish bankers tricked us on the Holocaust. And you know what? Maybe Pete Evans is going to become one of the most effective neo-Nazi recruiters in Australian modern history. Basically, like getting a down channel on DoTerra. You make uh, Jim Saleem look like a look like a rank amateur. And terrifying. look, that's terrific, Joel. And, and we'll be keeping a very close eye on that uh, over the coming weeks. And we look forward to uh, many more segments of the week in Pete Evans. So many. You have been listening to the Conditional Release Program with your host Jack the Insider and Joel Hill. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button. And if you've enjoyed our bullshit, throw us a five star review on your podcast app. Jack can be found on Twitter on at Jack the Insider and Joel at at Crunchy Moses with a K. We've set up a Facebook page which you can find if you search for the Conditional Release Program. And finally, all feedback, tips and death threats should be sent to the Conditional Release Program at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you, even if it's simply to tell us all about the real history of Germany. Thanks. Thank you, listeners. Catch you next See week. Ya. See you, guys. Bye.